0: Our second reading is from the book of Revelation. Now, anytime a passage from Revelation comes up in the lectionary preaching cycle, I can't help but get simultaneously frightened and excited. The Apostle John's description of the revelation of Jesus Christ is vivid, it's vast, it's full of energy and hope for God's people. On the other hand, it's the book of Revelation. The book generations of Christians, particularly us frozen, chosen Presbyterians, have shied away from. New Testament scholar and president of Union Seminary where I attended, Brian Blunt, says that if there's one thing to remember about this book, it's this. The title of the book is called Revelation, not Revelations, as so many people misname it. The Apostle John has many visions in his work, but only one revelation. And that revelation is Jesus is Lord of all creation. Our second reading this morning is one of my favorite passages from John's revelation. And it's a particularly special passage as we celebrate All Saints Day, as it describes the saints of every time and place gathering at the throne of Christ the Lamb and all they can do at the throne is praise and sing his name. I invite you now to to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together. From the seventh chapter of John's Revelation, beginning with the ninth verse. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Blessing and glory and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple, and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. The great early 20th century writer G.K. Chesterton once said this about the book of Revelation Though St. John the Evangelist saw many strange monsters in his vision, he saw no creature so wild as one of his own commentators. Any time we talk about Revelation, many of our first impressions of the book were made by some of these wild creatures, groups like the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas, the frightening images of fictional works like like the Left Behind series, leaving readers with unsettling fear, wondering if they will be among those who are, well, left behind. Or since it was just Halloween, horror movies like The Omen that used John's number for the beast, 666, which turns out actually to represent the Roman emperor at the time, Nero. But when we take a closer look at the book of Revelation, we see that sure, there are some confusing and truly odd things in John's vision, but all in all, his vision, his revelation is one of hope. Many of us grew up with these, uh, some of these interpretations of John's Revelation. As a teenager, I remember going to Sunday school with a friend at his church where we learned the passage from Revelation that talked about the 144,000 who would be saved. The teacher told us how most of us wouldn't be in that number, including himself. And more so that he did meet somebody who was in that number, somebody in the church named Joe. When I asked how he knew Joe was among the 144,000, he said, well, Joe told me. While studying Revelation in college and seminary, I learned that the seemingly small number is actually symbolic of a much larger one. It's representative of every one of the 12 tribes of Israel, or in other words, it's representative of the entire people of God. It's a number that wasn't meant to be exclusive. It wasn't a number that was meant to make us ponder whether or not we were among the few, but it was an inclusive one. It was a large representative number that was supposed to provide hope and assurance of our salvation through Christ. Here, friends, is where we get to our passage today. John describes the faithful gathering at the throne of Christ in God's kingdom. He describes the ones gathering not as some limited number, but as a great multitude, a multitude from every nation and race and language. This multitude is so great, in fact, that it cannot be counted. These saints are dressed in white robes, they are waving their palm branches, and they fall at the throne of the Lamb in worship and praise saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Why are they praising God? Because they have gone through the great ordeal. Their suffering is over, and now they are in communion with God forever. John writes to a community of Christian churches throughout Greece and Turkey, All of them fear suffering because of their faith in Christ, so John shows them what's on the other side, communion with God. On All Saints Day, friends, we give thanks to God for the saints in our church, in our lives, in our community, who have joined this great multitude dressed in white. Their great ordeal is through. For some, it was suffering, for others, sadness and loss and struggles throughout this life. But now they have made it through this ordeal, and now they are part of this great multitude led by Christ the Lamb himself, the great shepherd. And here there will be no more crying, no more suffering, no more hunger or thirst. We give thanks to God for these great saints because of their faithful witness. Soon we will celebrate the faithful witness of the saints who wrote the Barman Declaration, standing up to the evil and hatred of Nazism in Germany, risking their very lives for the sake of the gospel. We will also give thanks for the saints in our own lives, who will remember and celebrate as we read their names and light candles. These saints helped teach us the faith, and their example of perseverance nourishes us for our own faith journeys of discipleship. But here is where the Apostle John pushes us one step further on All Saints Day. Typically, we end right here, at praising God for these great saints who taught us the faith and persevered in adversity. We usually end with looking back. But John's apocalyptic vision of this great multitude, so great that it cannot be counted, reminds us that All Saints Day isn't just about looking back on the great saints who have come before us, but it's also about looking ahead to that great day when we too will put on our white robes and join the great multitude. The great day when our own suffering has finished, where at last we are in communion with our Lord. We look forward not only to the day when we join this great multitude, but to the day when the whole party is gathered, when everyone's suffering is through, when on earth as it is in heaven, Christ completely conquers fear and greed, hunger and thirst, and eliminates death once and for all. Because the great multitude has gathered in God's kingdom, all we can do is sing praise to the living God who has claimed us so graciously in Christ. The Apostle John calls us in his revelation to look back, but also to look forward. What a perfect theme for All Saints Day. We thank God for the witness of the saints who have gone before us, for those who first taught us who Jesus is for us, for those who first welcomed us at his table to be fed and transformed, and together we look ahead to that day when the great multitude will gather together in God's kingdom. Believe it or not, friends, we look ahead to this day whenever we gather at our Lord's table when we claim that they will come from east and from west, from north and from south to sit together at table in God's kingdom. Whenever we do this, every time we gather at the Lord's table, we witness to a hurting world that one day all suffering, hunger, thirst, even death will be no more. For all will be one in Christ. This hope keeps us going. And this hope allows us to participate in God's ministry of transformation and redemption. So friends, as we continue to worship on this All Saints Day, as we prepare our hearts for this joyful feast, let us look back and remember and give thanks for the saints, the saints who helped teach us the faith who brought us to our Lord's table to be nourished by Christ. But let us also look ahead with hope. For that day when the great multitude will be gathered together in God's kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.